Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Cycling Nate's podcast. Today we chat to Tiffany Keep, an unbelievable 23-time national champion across road racing, time trial, XCO and XCM, as well as a two-time gold medalist at the 2019 African Games that is held only every four years. We chat to Tiffany about her career, highs and lows, and what struggles she has as a female athlete, as well as much, much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, Tiffany Keep, to episode two of uh, Cycling Nate's podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, not a problem at all. Um, so, Tiffany, I suppose we might as well kick this off and... Um, I'd like you to explain to everyone that's listening just maybe more a little bit about yourself, how you started, and just a bit of a background on uh, Tiffany Keep. Yeah, so um, I started cycling when I was actually only three years old. My dad got me into the sport and he taught me how to ride a bicycle. And um, it kind of developed from a hobby to a passion of mine and I started racing more competitively when I was around 10 years old and um, yeah from there it kind of just skyrocketed into where the point I am at the moment where I'm trying to eventually make it a professional career one day so yeah very exciting it's been an amazing journey it's taken me to some wonderful places all over the world and I'm excited to see where it takes me next. Tiffany, would you say um, your fa- family played a big role in uh, in your development as a, as a cyclist? Yes, definitely. Um, like I said, my dad got me into the sport, and my both both my parents, my mom and my dad, have been super supportive of my cycling journey as a whole. Um, even my brother, who is definitely not <laughs> um, cycling inclined in any way, um, he has been super supportive of me and uh, yeah, they have been amazing in supporting my dreams and just backing me and my abilities all the way. Um, Tiffany, I, I, as we spoke earlier before, you said uh, you're busy studying in, in university. Would you want to tell us a little bit more about that and maybe how you fit your cycling training, your, your cycling schedule into into your daily life as you're bearing in mind you're still in university studying yeah so um pretty much uh since well from being in school and juggling cycling and schoolwork uh or pretty much through my whole school career but mainly during high school is where i began to feel the most pressure um of this balancing act which constantly doing where it's like wanting to do well in academics versus also wanting to do well on the bike and in races and um, it's kind of continued to university definitely but having to do it at school has 100% helped uh, make me more adaptable to this kind of lifestyle and it's gotten to a point now where I can't really imagine living another way where I don't have something to kind of take my mind off the sport entirely and have something where I can kind of devote uh, my time to other things which I'm good at which do not necessarily involve bikes and so I actually enjoy what I study which is quite nice and uh, um, it means that devoting time to do it and putting in the work isn't so bad. Would you say that it's hard for someone to juggle between school and like a proper structured training regime? 
Yes, definitely. I think it's not, it's no easy task. And I definitely take my hats off to the school kids nowadays who, um, who are in the same boat that I was in. Um, it's not easy. And um, <laughs> there's, there's always some sacrifices that need to be made in order to pretty much stay afloat. And sometimes that's your sleeping schedule that ends up falling short or maybe your social life. But it's it's uh it's a constant juggling act between the two and um it's uh one thing that always kept me going was that I knew once I got out of school it would be a bit easier to focus more on the cycling and put in the bigger hours um but I think like any my advice to people going through the situation at the moment would just to be enjoy riding your bike and not put too much pressure on yourself because at the end of the day you still have a many more years ahead of you in the sport and um, number one rule is to always enjoy what you're doing. I suppose like this, this cycling thing is almost a full-time job. Like, I mean, <laughs> for the amount of hours people do train, like I cycle myself, as you know, and I mean, there's so many hours and hard work that goes into training. It's like a full-time job. So having to do studying on top of that, I can imagine is a, is a big problem. Yeah, no, it's uh, it requires a lot of discipline. Um, for sure, my eventual goal would be to go pro, and and maybe then I will shift my focus entirely to cycling. But at the moment, it's very much like a balancing act, like I said, and uh, it is very difficult. But I believe if you really want to excel in something, you'll make the time to do it and devote time to it, and just enjoy what you're doing. Like I said your case like you're at university and you're training like what sort of social life do you have away from cycling away from all the bits and pieces you're doing and all the studying yeah so I'm actually very fortunate I have a lot of friends that are not in involved in the cycling world in any way that I've come to know through school and playing a lot of school sport and uh or even just meeting them at school. They're not necessarily even sporty people. And um, I've still kept in contact with a few of them, which has been really nice. And it's so important, I think, to have a social life as an athlete, um, even if it means socializing with other cyclists off the bike, like doing off-the-bike things and taking your mind off of that is so important. And just doing other things that you enjoy doing that you don't necessarily have to talk about bikes all the time and have your mind fixated purely on cycling the entire day. And um, I'm really lucky that those friends that I've been able to keep in contact with always have my back no matter what, and they'll support me in my cycling dreams, but they also they also love me for who I am and for Tiffany the person and not just Tiffany the cyclist. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the cycling is a... Is a takes up a lot of time and then you've got college as well so mm. you're a lot of your day is gone I mean it's not all about the bike at the end of the day and people they need their social life so I mean yeah, yeah I, see, I see where you're coming from like it can't just all be about study 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 and uh, bike 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 but I mean mm-hmm. yeah I can understand where where you're coming from yeah and uh, yeah go on <laughs> sorry um I was just gonna say it's yeah it's difficult it's no easy feat and um Sometimes, like when the racing gets hectic, I definitely notice that my studying takes a bit of a dip, just purely the amount of hours that I'm able to put in and time towards it. Um, 
it's always one of the three things is always going to kind of, you're going to have to sacrifice more time of that. Um, but uh, it definitely keeps things interesting. And um, I think making time for your friends and those who are really important to you is always a number one priority. Tiffany, um, we're going to dig a bit deeper into your cycling. And uh, I have on note here that you have 23 national South African titles across uh, four disciplines, which is road, time trial, XEO and XCM. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit to everyone listening about like how you achieve these titles and and just what it means to you to have so many titles? I mean, you must be in the sport for a long time, um, for a while anyway. And I mean, to get nas- one national title is hard enough, never mind 23. Yeah, no. So um, <laughs> funny story. I actually, I've never actually added up the amount of national titles I'd won. And I'm not meaning that in an arrogant way, but purely because, I mean, I, uh, um, I've i been in the sport for such a long time. And I also see national titles as, yes, they're great to have, but um, it's, uh, I don't, I'm, I try to be as modest and humble as possible. I'm always looking forward as to what the next big thing is so that I can achieve on my list. And, um, I think that, uh, I, I've been really lucky to have kind of diversified a lot in the sport of cycling. I haven't really focused purely on one discipline for a long period of time. Um, like those four disciplines that those national titles are spread across, um, started with cross country, which is pretty much where I started and the first discipline that I started competing in and, um, that's moved across to then cross country marathon, which is slightly longer distances also on the mountain bike though. And then I picked up road cycling a bit later and uh, with that also time trial, uh, time trial, which is a very similar discipline to cross country in the effort related. But um, yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> diversifying across different disciplines and to, or, in order to find the ones that you really do enjoy is something I'd recommend that everyone would do. Um, but, um, yeah, I can say that I definitely enjoy riding my bike and, uh, national titles are great to have, but I still think that, uh, at the end of the day that you need to enjoy what you're doing and I really enjoy what I do. And, uh, I think that's reflected in those numbers <laughs> for sure. Like, how do you find, how do you adapt to, I mean, Obviously, if you look at a road bike, it's completely different to a mountain bike. Um, I know it's two wheels and all, but how do you adapt or how do you find the adaption going from mountain bike to road to time trial to longer distance to maybe cross country? Like, how do you adapt? How do you how do you go about that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, It's all to do with kind of like periodizing your training throughout the year. Uh, I kind of break my season up into different segments based on what goals I have for that period of time for the year. Um, In South Africa, I usually always start off with, with, we have road cycling national championships in the beginning of the year, as well as our provincial championships. And so it's more road focused at that time of the year. And then I'll do a lot more road and time trial based training. And um, I will always try to ride my mountain bike throughout the year just purely because it is my happy place um riding trails on my mountain bike is pretty much my roots where i started cycling and so it will always be my go-to 
if uh, things aren't going so well and I need to pick me up. And uh, so that I pretty much ride throughout the year. But uh, after around like March, uh, we start to focus a little bit more on the cross-country based training, um, which is actually fairly similar to the training you would do for road cycling. So um, the efforts required in cross-country, those short, sharp, punchy efforts are very similar to the likes of an attack in a road race um, or bridging across to the breakaway, etc. So it's... Uh, it's interesting to see how the different disciplines complement each other and how you can use different disciplines to better, to improve at another one. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of go about focusing my training on what the next big goal is for the year. We're on the topic of uh, training. Um, could you explain, do you, how do you say it? Is off-the-bike work, like gym work, important to you? And does it play a big role in your in your cycling? Yes, for sure. Um, I think gym work is so important to any athlete and uh, off-the-bike work in general. Um, I did a lot of running at school, cross-country running and athletics, and that really helped me, I found, um, to climb better on the bike it's also a full body workout and something you can do in a lot shorter space of time which is equal to pretty much i mean like a half an hour run is pretty much equivalent to a one hour ride at least um and uh working in the gym kind of feeds off of that where it's uh using different muscles and also um focusing the training that you do in the work to sorry it's focusing the training that you do in the gym on uh, what you want to achieve in training on the bike and uh so that would be like cycling specific gym workouts and and uh, it really does help specifically with injury prevention and uh making you overall stronger on the bike which is what everyone wants and so i think that it is so important to include cross training and in, into your training plan i mean while we're on training here, I mean, you're doing all these disciplines and you're doing your gym and then you've got university on top of that. Would you explain uh, to us your nutrition plan maybe just a little bit? Like, do you follow a strict diet or how do you go about like your food? I mean, you're in university, you're training hard, you got gym, your body needs the fuel. So, I mean, you must have, surely you must have some strict diet that you follow. Yeah, for sure. I think that like when it comes to nutrition and eating and meal plans it's use what works for you and what's going to pretty much be sufficient to fuel you properly for what training you have to do um that's how i always like to view it like the food that i eat um i try to keep it as simple as possible i don't try to overcomplicate my meal plan because then things start to get interesting um the issues come in when you have to start traveling to races and you don't always have access to what may specifically be on your meal plan for that day so you have to learn to improvise and and think of different things that you can use um which are like i said simple and uh, you can find anywhere across the world and um yeah i think that i do watch what i eat and how much i eat but it's generally that i try eat um in a way that is going to fuel me for my day and help me perform at my absolute best would you would you have a particular food that, let's say, you eat but you don't particularly enjoy? 
Um, I've n- actually never been a fan of bananas, and that's pretty much a sin if you're a cyclist. Um, so, yeah, especially <laughs> yeah, that is a strange one, isn't especially it? Especially from South Africa. I mean, they call the banana like the African power bar. So, um, yeah, I kind of fall short a bit on that. But uh, other than that, I enjoy eating everything. So, yeah. <laughs> suppose that's good because I mean you're traveling and then it, it, it doesn't really matter what you get in the next let's say country or place because you you're you're fairly well when you come to yeah Eden. exactly it definitely helps um like I said earlier where you may not have access to everything specific that you may like to eat before a race it, it helps to not be a fussy eater because then at least uh, if you do have to try something new you will be more open to it um so yeah it's definitely a plus <laughs> i mean it is hard like you, you no one likes eating foods that they don't enjoy i mean like for example myself um if there's some foods that i don't enjoy i don't particularly like eating them yeah so, i mean you know we gotta you gotta take what for you sure, get i suppose for sure. um so tiffany i have down in my notes too uh you have two gold medals that you won at the 2019 african games which is held every four years. So, um, I mean, how did it feel to win those medals for, for South Africa? Like, would you talk us through the whole, maybe the atmosphere, getting there, the racing, just everything about your trip? <laughs> yeah, so um, the African Games, like you said, held every four years. It's basically like how I can describe it is uh, the African Olympics as such. And um, so you have people there from all different sporting disciplines like swimming uh like netball you name it like cycling was there i mean they the events are held all across that country that is hosting it and in different venues and um so i arrived there i made a last minute decision um to go do african games the cross-country race um that year african games in 2019 was being held in morocco which is at the very northern part of Africa. It's actually super close to Europe. And so um, I went off to Morocco and I flew with three bikes, my time trial bike, my road bike, my mountain bike, and a spare wheel set. So let's just say like, I had my hands quite full when it came to traveling. Um, that <laughs> must have been a mission. Yes, it was very much a mission. Um, I arrived the day before the cross-country race and, uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the city of Casablanca. If anyone listening has been there, it is really a crazy place. Um, very cool city. Uh, it's the capital of Morocco, um, but it's, uh, it's a crazy place. And uh, we arrived there. I had to catch an Uber to the cross-country course, had to fold my mountain bike up into the seat next to me. Um, and uh, we arrived there and, uh, it was quite a different course to anything I'd raced on before. Um, it hadn't been taped all the way around when I rode it. And so it actually kind of went off course a few times during course practice. And so it was very much a catch 22. I was trying to work out, okay, I think it could be this route tomorrow, but it also could be that. So it was very disorganized in that way. <laughs> Um, but, uh, needless to say, um, thankfully I rocked up the next day and I ended up having good legs and I could have a good race, pull a good race together. Had quite a bit of a tussle with two, sorry, 
And you knew where I to go. I did know where to go, which really helped. <laughs> oh, that's a positive. Um, ended up having a tussle with uh, two of the Mauritian riders and ended up winning the gold medal. And at 18 years old, I was quite stoked with that. So, um, yeah, that was the first medal that I happened to win for South Africa. And also it was the first medal that South African had won. South Africa had won at the African Games that year, which was also very cool. Um yeah, yeah. so um, then two days later, we had the team time trial, and um, we, I was riding in a team with uh, three other ladies from South Africa, and um, the thing was that uh, we were up against the Afri- other African countries, which uh, uh, had come quite well, rep- quite well prepared to the games that year, and they were on full-on TG setups with disc wheels, and the, all the right equipment, and we actually only had two of our riders on TT bikes, and two of them were on road bikes, which is not ideal, obviously, first thing going into the TT. So yeah. we knew we were on the back foot, and uh, um, I gave the disc wheel that I was borrowing to use f- to someone else to use who was riding a road bike, and so at least they t- oops, we were in an attempt to kind of level the playing field a little bit. We actually ended up finishing with three of us, and uh, we managed to win. And uh, it was actually one of the best time trials I've ever ridden. And uh, um, I think we won by like 15 seconds, um, which is quite substantial in the time trial as well. So we were really stoked. You already you started the race at a disadvantage. So, I mean, must have been a great feeling <laughs> yeah. crossing the line winning and knowing that you, you started off at a For disadvantage. For sure. It was, it was like we we kind of raced like we had nothing to lose. And I think that really paid off in the end. It was a very flat and fast course and we had to take very short turns on the front and keep and roll through tightly to keep uh, the speed and, and pace up. And um, we communicated well with each other and worked together well. And I think that really paid off in the end. Um, so yeah, very stoked that we were able to win a second gold medal for South Africa. That's a wonderful achievement. Um, especially with you guys starting off at a disadvantage and knowing that you had a disadvantage. I mean, that can, that can play on people's minds. Definitely. Um, I mean, especially in our sport, where it's, where it's a lot to do with mind games, I suppose. When you're starting off and you know that you're at a disadvantage, I mean, it, it, can, it can either make or break you. Yeah, for sure. Um, mentality is everything when it comes to cycling. Uh, I heard someone tell say a quote to me like the one the one time many years ago which has kind of stuck with me which was that uh, um, when you get to a race it's pretty much 80% physical and what sorry I got that the wrong way around it's 20% physical and 80% mental and uh, that's kind of stuck with me because uh, it's uh, it is very true I mean all the hard work that you do is pretty much for race day you can't do anything more there and uh, you kind of uh, play a mental game with yourself in most cases and just pushing yourself that little bit extra. So, yeah. Sometimes it's not always the guy that's the strongest that wins. I mean, you could be the strongest on the day, but if your mind's not in the right place, then someone else could beat you that has a stronger mind. For sure. Um, I've seen that happen on multiple occasions where, um, especially in road racing where it's pretty much luck of, luck of the draw in a lot of situations where um, 
the person who races the smartest ends up winning, not necessarily the strongest rider. And uh, um, sometimes the stronger riders get a bit overconfident and end up sitting in the wind too much or doing too much work on the front, and then they pay for it later. And the rider who maybe even knows in the back of their mind, like similar to us at African Games, that they're already at a disadvantage. Maybe they haven't been training as much as another rider or they're not in such great form, but they may still end up winning the race because they know this and they know they have to conserve energy. And, um, yeah, they end up pulling it off, which is always super special. Exactly. And from going from after the time trial, like what was the feeling standing on the podium with knowing you've won and you've just won, I mean, a gold medal at the African <laughs> Games? It was really special. Um, it's uh, winning a medal for your country is something inexplainable. And uh, um, yeah, it was a really proud moment for me standing on the podium with three other people next to me who really worked super hard in that race to to earn it and um a lot of those ladies i mean all of them were older than me so very much people that i could kind of learn from and um, soak up experience from which also was really amazing and uh yeah the whole experience there was so cool um being able to learn from these older riders and just soak up that whole experience what happened after the time trial? Was uh, Did you enter in the road race or what happened after? <laughs> yeah, so um, I actually wasn't included on the list for the road race. Um, unfortunately, with these events, when it comes to uh, Olympics and, um, it's, uh, and the likes of African Games in this situation, there are a lot of politics involved and sometimes the people calling the shots aren't always the ones that... Uh, they don't delve too deeply into into race results, etc. Or they look purely at, at numbers. And so, I I wasn't included on the road race list, but I was for the cross country and the team time trial list. Um, so, unfortunately, I had to set the road race out, even though it really was a course which I believe would have suited me. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I didn't call the shots, but uh, I really enjoyed the opportunity to support. Uh, my fellow teammates, and uh, we managed to win a gold medal in the race nonetheless, which was also very cool to witness. And so in a way, it felt like I had kind of uh, had a first-hand impression of them winning another gold medal for South Africa, which was very cool. You can't really complain. You did two races and two gold medals. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. not much more you could have done. <laughs> no, for sure. Exactly. Um... <laughs> So moving on, you said um, going over to African Continental Champs, you encountered some difficulty. So as a female cyclist, what are some other difficulties you've encountered before? Like, I mean, racing over in South Africa to opposed to racing overseas, like that, that must be a big change. And mm -hmm. I mean, as a female cyclist, if you're traveling alone to go abroad, there must have been some difficulties you've encountered yourself yeah for sure i mean um yeah the big thing about racing in south africa versus racing in europe it is purely that the level is not nearly the same as racing overseas um in 2019 that same year i had the privilege of going over to race with the national team in europe and we did two tours and then i raced uh, road world championships in yorkshire in the uk and um 
it was a massive shock to the system. I had previously raced um, overseas on the road on one other occasion, but when I was 16 and I actually did a youth road tour in Ireland and uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was a lot of fun, but also a massive shock to the system. And uh, the same goes for 2019, where um, I was 18 and racing against uh, the likes of Annemiek van Fluten at World Champs and the others. And uh, they're almost 20 years older than me, which is a very scary thought. And um, it's, uh, yeah, the level's just a step up completely. And uh, it's purely because they have a lot more women racing over there more re more regularly. And uh, they're all on big teams and they all want to win just as much as the next person. And uh, they're all really good. In South Africa, it's a, a case of that we have uh, a smaller pool of good riders and, uh, well, just a smaller pool of riders in general. And um, in Europe, you have pretty much like there would be five other Tiffany's racing with me at one time and they're all just as good and they all want it just as much as I do. And so that's pretty much a, a very simplistic way of explaining it, but uh, it's, uh, they, they're just really good over there. And I think it's so important for South Africans to get over and race in Europe if you want to make it big in the sport, because that's where the best in the world race. I say Europe is the yeah. place to go. I mean, everyone races in Europe, and I mean it's the highest competition. Yeah, that there for is, sure. It? It's uh, if you want to make it big in cycling, you have to get over to Europe. In a a big eye opener to you, racing against the likes of Annemiek van Vluten and all the top uh, pros. Yeah, there. no, it was. Uh, I mean. To say I raced against them is not really entirely true. I was merely just trying to hang on to the bunch at World Champs and <laughs> they happened to be in the front of the bunch uh, driving the pace. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's very surreal rolling up next to these titans of the sport. And um, they, I mean, getting a first-hand experience of how good and fast they really are is <laughs> insane. And they are incredibly fast and the footage on tv does absolutely no justice to that um i can say that much um but uh, yeah it's also very inspiring to see that uh, these people started off just where i am at the moment as well and have uh, developed into these amazing cyclists over time and i know you're aware that male professional cyclists earn and get more <laughs> sponsorship than than female cyclist um and tell me what is your yeah, take on that so you bring up a very important point which um i am a how can i say this i'm quite a big advocate for women's sport and uh equality and sport in general and uh i think that it is very evident that there is very much inequality uh, between women's and men's sport, um, not just in the prize money, but the amount of exposure which women get from racing. And um, yeah, just the general approach and vibe I get from people watching men's versus women's racing, which has now started to change. And um, I've seen recently where uh, a recent crowdfunding attempt was made for um I believe it was the Tour of Flanders recently, the classic where um, this guy, I can't even remember his name and I don't want to say his name wrong, 
um, started raising funds on a GoFundMe page um, to basically add to the prize pot of the women's to try and make it more equivalent to the men's um, because it was a ridiculous amount, which was, I think, maybe a sixth of the amount of money that the men were winning for the same race, essentially. Um, And uh, it ended up being pretty much equivalent to the men's, which is crazy. It just shows you that the fans want to see women's racing and they want to see uh, women's racing on TV and them getting exposure because women's racing is so exciting at the moment. It's really, really cool. Um, And uh, they, yeah, I think the women deserve just as much exposure, just as much prize money, because at the end of the day, we work just as hard, sometimes harder just purely because of the obstacles which we have to overcome to get to where we want to be. And so um, I think we're living in an exciting time where there's a lot of change taking place. Um, Change happens sometimes slower than we wanted to, though, unfortunately, but... I think that we are moving in a general positive direction. And it's, it's, um, I mean, that instance with the crowdfunding was just so cool to see the, pa- the fans like rallying, rallying against a, for a common cause um, for the woman. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the next few years. Like women cycling at the minute is, 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 is just as, inter- as mm-hmm. entertaining as the men's cycling. So, like, I 100% agree with yeah. you, like, it's not fair, um, but I mean, hopefully a change will come, and we already started to see Yeah, for sure, I mean, uh, um, I mean, I could go on all day about women's salaries versus men's salaries, and just the the amount of team women's teams out there, and uh, um, we won't go into all the details, but um, the main takeaway from it is that we are moving in a positive direction, which I think is very important. And the best thing that I've seen out of this is that there are more people starting to speak up for women and also like men that are starting to speak up for women, which is so cool. And I think that there are also guys out there who are now standing up for the woman and saying, okay, enough is enough. We're tired of these old outdated rules that are governing the sport and we want to actually make a proper change, which is very exciting. And, a little bit of a take on this. Um, as you know, like cycling for the people listening is, is a very dangerous sport. I mean, you know, crashing is a big part of racing too. And I mean, it's a very dangerous sport. Um, would you encourage young females to take, take yes. up the sport? No, of definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, quite, it must seem quite stupid for me to acknowledge that it is both a dangerous sport, but in the same breath, encourage people to start taking part in it. But it really is, I think, one of the most fulfilling and rewarding sports that will teach you the most life lessons. Um, It's uh, the pure joy that you get from just riding a bicycle um, is inexplainable. And it's to this day why I keep riding a bicycle and race a bicycle competitively as well. And... um, I would love to see more girls on bikes and more young kids on bikes in general. I think it's so cool to see um, this influx of people riding their bikes, especially since lockdown, which has been so exciting. And um, I think that uh, more people getting outside and just exploring the beautiful outdoors on their on two wheels, which uh, is definitely a, a movement which I could support wholeheartedly and yeah 
just join the revolution <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun i mean a bicycle can take you places yeah. that cars can't and you see amazing things out there um and you get amazing exactly exactly so, I, mean, i mean a bicycle not? can 100% take you to places where you can't go in a car and uh, um just riding i mean for example riding trails on a mountainside somewhere in the world and i mean even the sport as a whole if you race it competitively i mean it has taken me to some incredible places which i would have never gone to had i not uh started cycling and um i'm really grateful for those opportunities to travel to these new places and meet new people quickly touching a bit on you were speaking about how covid has like brought more people out on their bikes how has covid affected you as a as an <laughs> yeah, athlete that's a good question um so uh before lockdown i actually hit a bit of a a mental bump in the road um when it came to my mental approach to racing i was in a bit of a bad spot um to put it plainly i was overtrained and burnt out at the beginning of last season and so in a way lockdown actually saved me in the way that um we started riding on Zwift more and i started riding on Zwift with my friends and doing group rides and strangely enough even though we were so far apart we could all ride together within one community on the virtual platform and uh, just that whole aspect uh, of riding on Zwift which was a very new concept to me at the time um because i had never really ridden on Zwift um up until then and uh, riding and racing on there and being able to ride with my mates from all over the world who i actually normally wouldn't have even ridden with had i not been riding with them on Zwift um was was something really cool and um i was able to keep my training consistent through lockdown and maintain a pretty good motiva- like motivation levels and and um that was all thanks to the community so i surrounded myself with and so i would say lockdown for me was a general positive experience um i know it was not the same for everyone but uh for me it definitely was and i guess it also depends on your mindset and how you approached it like yes we didn't have any racing but i i used it as an as an opportunity to work on my weaknesses in my training and uh i would say it's still definitely a work in progress but it definitely paid off no no definitely i mean i've spoken to a few people and from the whole lockdown situation um whereas yeah. some of us haven't Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's very interesting to hear different people's takes on it. Um and yeah, like I said, not everyone was in the same boat as me. Um and I was really lucky that I had access to a a smart trainer and Zwift as a platform to use because if I didn't, I think I would go insane. So, <laughs> yeah. Um I was grateful for that time to kind of reconnect with those other people and just remind myself kind of why I ride a bike. It's because I enjoy spending time riding my bike with other people. The not everyone was in the same boat as me. Um I was really lucky that I did have a smart trainer and Zwift to use otherwise I would probably go insane. <laughs> and uh just having the opportunity to surround myself with that whole community. Um but I think all in all whether the lockdown was a negative or positive experience i think that it taught everyone uh, in their own individual lessons in unique ways and 
it was a very strange time, but also very important. And I think that uh, it's something we will remember for years to come. To tell the story, I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so we're going to start wrapping up here in a little bit. Um, so we'll move on and we'll say, what advice would you give to young cyclists who want to start out the sport and even cyclists who are already in the sport that want to get to like a higher level? Cool. So, um, yeah, I think like my advice to anyone wanting to get into cycling, 100% do it. Like you won't regret it at all. Um, <laughs> I think the, the best way to do that is to find friends to ride with and surround yourself with a, a cool cycling community. And um, once you're there and you've started and to those people who are currently cycling at the moment and especially the younger generation, I think that ride your bike because you enjoy riding it and, and find the joy in that journey. And um, I think the every day that you get on your bike should be, it should be out of pure enjoyment and it shouldn't be forced. It should be because you love riding your bike and you love getting outside and you love riding with your friends. And uh, I think that uh, the most important piece of advice I can give you is to just carry on having fun riding a bike and trying new things and yeah just enjoy the journey having won all these honors in south africa what is next for tiffany keep <laughs> um i'm definitely hoping to get overseas this year should the corona uh, situation kind of calm down a bit on the travel restrictions side uh just so it makes it a bit easier for us South Africans to get overseas. Um, that might only be a bit later in the year, though, but I'm um, crossing fingers and toes that I'll be able to get over this year. Um, if not this year, definitely next year. Um, but, yeah, I have a few more goals in South Africa I'd like to tick off this season. We're now in a bit of a mountain biking block at the moment with some cross-country races coming up and um, then a bit more road-focused from kind of the mid part of the year onwards. And so, yeah, um, I'm excited for what's to come. I think that the most important part is that I still am loving riding my bike. Every day I get on it, it doesn't feel like a chore. It's, it's something that I just enjoy doing and it's something which adds positivity to each and every day. And so I think that's the way it should be. And as long as I carry on in that trajectory, um, it can only get better. I, exactly like I mean when you ride the bike it shouldn't be like forced it should just you'd want to go out and ride otherwise there's no enjoyment in it yeah definitely definitely second to last question what is the dream what is the main goal what is the the end all <laughs> I think that uh, I definitely one of my biggest goals is to represent South Africa at the Olympics. And uh, it has been a dream of mine since I remember watching that first World Cup at home at uh, uh, Peter Marisburg at Cascades Mountain Bike Park back in KZN. And um, watching the likes of Nino and Julian Absalon battle it out and the late Barry Stonder as well. And... Uh, Seeing them go on to compete at the Olympics later, it was definitely something which I've looked up to for a long time. Um, I would say the ultimate dream was to be um, a world champion as well, win a gold medal at the world championships. 
for South Africa as well. So, yeah, they're pretty big dreams and people would say maybe they're a bit ambitious, but I always say to the young kids out there, dream big because um, I know it sounds cliche, but if you shoot for the moon and even if you miss, you'll still land amongst the stars. And so I think that uh, dreaming big, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, your dreams should scare you. That's how big they should be. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, like the only person stopping you from achieving that is yourself at the end of the day. A hundred percent. That's where the mental thing comes in. And so, yeah. And we're wrapping up now. Um, who would you say are your inspirations and your cycling heroes? Yeah, so when I started uh, um, cycling competitively when I was around 10 and watching those World Cups, I remember seeing Yolanda Neff race um, in South Africa for the first time and watching her race was very cool. Um, she's always been a cyclist I've looked up to be purely because of her style of riding and how she's so fearless in the technical sections and she doesn't hold back and she's such a fighter. She never gives up. No matter where she is in a race, she can be coming stone last and she will carry on fighting until the very end, um, which is a quality I really um, admire in her. Um, another cyclist is definitely Ashley Mormon Passio on the road. Um, she is South African and what is so cool about her is that she is uh, one of the top cyclists in the world at the moment, but she's had to walk the hard road to get to where she is. Um, she's overcome many obstacles and uh, she has a wealth of experience that she's so willing to share with anyone. She's such a down-to-earth person and um, a really talented bike rider. And so I really look up to her in that way as well, um, that uh, she's a great mentor for any young ladies in the sport. So Tiffany, this is the part where in the podcast where if you have anyone you want to shout out or any sponsors, uh, I mean, the floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, as always, I'm super grateful for my team support, uh, Ballet Electrical Titan Racing. Um, they make all these uh, trips and traveling and everything possible and just being able to race my bike and uh, um being in the fortunate position to actually be in a team is, is really is really great in these current times and uh, especially in South Africa and just being in a team where I'm surrounded by these young upcoming and um, cyclists who always are constantly forcing me to level up. Um, yeah, I have a few other sponsors such as Isistar and... Uh, um, Adidas Iway, who've been with me for the long run, as well as Giro with my helmets and shoes and glasses. And yeah, these are all guys that have been with me since pretty much day one. And um, I really appreciate their support along the way. And I'm excited to see where we can go for the future. Anyone listening and wanting to follow your journey, where, where can they find Tiffany Keep or where can they follow you? So you can hit me up on Instagram um, at Tiffany Keep um, or on Facebook. I have an athlete page on Facebook and um, yeah, also on Twitter at, at Tiffany Keep as well. So either one of those three platforms, um, they can find me there and I'm always happy to give advice or chat. So yeah. That wraps about it for today's uh, podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. We really enjoyed the chat with you.
Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I really enjoyed it. Not a problem at all, Tiffany. Take care and good luck for the rest of your season. Cool. Thanks so much. Cheers. Perfect. Well, and that's episode two done. Thank you to everyone that listened in, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did listening to Tiffany's story. And a big, big thank you to Tiffany Keep for joining me for this chat. I will link Tiffany's social media handles below. Why not go give her a follow and a like? Until next time, bye bye. <laughs>